Hello, and welcome to Troy Does the Games Pyeongchang, your daily-ish update about the 2018 Winter Olympics going on in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Today, I recap all the events from February 23rd and look ahead to the action on February 24th. I gotta imagine that the top story for today, based on yesterday's results, is... Uh, Canada is in crisis. Uh, they they won three Olympic medals yesterday, and yet it still felt like the worst day in Canadian Olympic history. Uh, the men's hockey team lost in the semifinals. They're going to have to try and get a bronze medal. Uh, they're not going to be in the gold medal game. And also their men's curling team lost their bronze medal game, and uh, they leave the Olympics with no medal for the first time in the history of Canadian curling. The men and the women, no medals. So yeah, they got a gold and a silver in ladies ski cross and they pulled out a bronze in the ladies figure skating competition. But I think Canadians are relatively unhappy. They're probably filing articles of impeachment against Justin Trudeau. Uh, he's probably declaring a national emergency at this point. They take their hockey and their curling very seriously. We had some other action for the day that I'll get into, but let's just jump into a couple of those stories. The first of which is Canada losing in the semifinals of the men's ice hockey tournament. And they didn't just lose to anyone. They lost to Germany. That's got to be one of the biggest upsets in Olympic history. And you got to look at that score and just see one thing written into it. NHL, NHL, NHL. Uh, Germany went up 4-1. to one. And Canada clawed back, getting two goals in the fourth period. And even though they pulled their goaltender at the last two minutes in order to try and get an equalizer, they just could not. So Germany wins over Canada 4-3 to three and goes to the gold medal game against Olympic athletes from Russia who handily beat the Czech Republic 3-0. to zero. Uh, So now with Canada not in the gold medal game and the U.S. not getting a medal in ice hockey, I think I think there's plenty of information to put at the feet of Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL. And my prediction is by 2022, the NHL players will be back in the Winter Olympics because Canada can't go without winning a gold medal in ice hockey. Also in curling, the uh, team led by Kevin Cooey, who I thought was a really strong team, ends up getting the worst result in Canadian curling history. They lose the bronze medal game to Switzerland 7-5, to and they leave with no hardware. So the men's team and the women's team both get blanked. We also had the semifinals for the women's tournament in curling, and those were great. Sweden beat up on Great Britain, so I was a little bummed that Evemir had lost. But the most exciting match was definitely Korea versus Japan. Now, I haven't talked much about the Korean curling team, uh, their women's curling team, but they have got to be one of the best stories of these Olympics. They are uh, a Cinderella story for sure. I mean, I've talked about it with the U.S. a little bit being a Cinderella story. On the women's side, Korea definitely is. They got their spot in this tournament because they're the host country, right? They may have been able to qualify through other means, but really they're in there because they're the host country. And like you saw with ice hockey, you kind of expect them not to do that well. Well, it turns out, despite being, I think, maybe eighth or ninth ranked in the world, they finished the round robin section of the tournament in first place. They come into the playoffs as the number one seed, and now they've beaten Japan and they're going to play for a gold medal. Now, it took an extra end. They At the end of the 10th end, their skip had a draw to win 
the game and move on to the gold medal game, and she overthrew it. And so Japan scored a point in the last end, sending it to extra ends. And then she had what was actually a harder shot. The, the same skip of Korea had a harder shot to win the game in the 11th end. And this time she made it, uh, much to the delight of the people in the arena. Uh, so this unlikely crew, and, and let me tell you about why they're so why they're so interesting. This is a group of women who met in school and got into curling because they thought it was cool. Uh, I'm not intentionally rhyming. It just so happens that <laughs> that, that rhymed. Uh, they tried out for the Olympic trials for Korea at a previous Olympics and didn't get selected, and they were so despondent, they almost quit the game. But they enjoyed it so much, they decided to keep curling, and then they earned the right to be the team to represent Korea in this Olympics. And they're just hilarious. They're All of them, their surname is Kim, and so in order to create a bit more personality and to practice their English, They've created nicknames for each other based on their favorite foods. So you'll hear them referring to each other as pancake or steak or sunny because one of them likes her eggs sunny side up. And in English, they'll be, they'll, they'll, they call her pancake. Uh, I just think that's hilarious. They're, they're, they're known collectively as the garlic girls because the city they come from is the garlic capital of South Korea. They have a giant garlic statue outside of their town. So this is the team that's representing Korea. This is the team that's in the gold medal for the women's tournament is going to play against Sweden. Um, and at worst is going to come away with the silver medal. And I just think it's a team worth rooting for. And they're the home team. So you got to root, root, root for the home team. So Korea is going to play against Sweden in the gold medal match. And then Japan will play against Great Britain in the bronze medal match in women's curling. I'll talk about the schedule for that and for the remaining match for the men's tournament coming up in a second. In biathlon, we had the men's relay. I talked about yesterday's women's relay in biathlon being marred by all kinds of wind. Well, it pretty much continued today. It was not as bad as it was for the women's, but there were still a whole lot of missed shots. Sweden ends up getting the gold medal, which is a bit of an upset, and Norway gets the silver medal, Germany gets the bronze medal after a miraculous come from behind. They actually had to do three penalty laps and, and took an additional 10 bullets, the, the Germany that is, uh, <laughs> because of bad shooting. And they were still fast enough on the skis and got enough other people to miss that uh, they got up there on the podium. Uh, it, the, I have mentioned one of the exciting things about biathlon is that the finishes are often very exciting and very close. You know, you got a lot of photo finishes and real pushes toward the end. That didn't exactly happen in this race. Uh, Sweden won by a full minute, and then after them was Norway, and then another full minute, and after them was Germany, and then another full minute, and after them was Austria. So there was just no excitement in that last leg, except in the shooting range. That that did change some of the positions uh, because there were so many misses. I mentioned the United States, if they got lucky, might be able to come in for a bronze medal. They ended up finishing sixth, which is a really good finish for them. They had one really bad shooting session in the fourth leg that really hindered them. But I have to say, even if that went well and they had shot clean, they'd probably still be in fourth place. I think the American men are just not fast enough skiers uh, across the board, but... 
They stayed uh, near the front of the pack for much of the race, and it certainly made it exciting. France had an awful day, and Martin Fourcade, they showed him very briefly in the range, missing three shots, and then cut away. Uh, and we never saw him again for the rest of the race. Uh, but that's uh, biathlon for you, and it's done now. I'm really bummed. No more biathlon. Now I'm going to have to watch the World Cup events coming up. So that's what happens when you get hooked to obscure sports. All right, any other obscure sports in here before I talk about figure skating? Oh, yeah, Lady Ski Cross. Uh, I mentioned Ski Cross before. I didn't watch much of this, but I did see the big final. Uh, the Canadian Kelsey Serwell won the gold medal. Her, her countrywoman, Brittany Fallon, also Canadian, got the silver medal. And then a bronze medal to the favorite, Fanny Smith from Switzerland, who, despite being a favorite, seemed very delighted to get any medal at all. Uh, so that, that seemed to be a good outcome for everybody. That's the Lady Ski Cross. And then in speed skating, ugh. I thought the U.S. men were going to finally get a medal in this Olympics. Going into the final pairing, Joey Mantia was in third place. He was in that bronze medal position. And then a Dutchman took the ice. And not just any Dutchman, but the favorite, Kild Nuss. He uh, <laughs> came and he said, I would like a gold medal in this event. And he took it. So we got Noyce got the gold medal. The silver medal went to Havard Lorenzen of Norway, who had previously won the 500 meters. And then the bronze went to Korea's Kim Tae-yoon, uh, which the crowd was really pleased about. But uh, the American men, so close. Shawnee Davis finishes seventh. So top 10 result for both of them, uh, which is better than what I've been seeing in the other races so far. But, uh, man, Joey's so close. He will have another chance at a medal coming up in the mass start, which I'll explain. It's another one of those kind of ridiculous, absurd events. But uh, no medal today in speed skating for the United States. All right, the other big action of the day, and I think it's the last thing that I need to talk about, was the ladies' individual competition in figure skating. We had the free skate, the very last day of competitive figure skating in the PyeongChang Olympics, and the much-discussed head-to-head battle between Alina Zagatova and Evgenia Medvedeva from Russia. Uh, they were very close to each other after the short program. And I think uh, Alina had a point or a point and a half lead. Let's look here. Alina had a 1.31 lead. And uh, the expectation was that Medvedeva might edge her out in the free skate, but it would only be on the back of her artistry scores that Zagatova did have a technical advantage coming in because of some of the jumps that she did and the way that she ordered them. So both of them would have to have a perfectly clean skate in order to get the gold medal. If either of them made a mistake, the other one would win. And it turns out we were rewarded as an audience with two wonderful, almost flawless skates. Neither of them made a mistake that was worthy of costing them the medal. And ultimately, Zagatova won by just a point and a half. And that point and a half was basically indistinguishable to the viewer at home. Uh, their free skate score, their, their score for yesterday's competition was actually the exact same to the hundredth. So the only thing that decided the event was the short program from two days before. Uh, as Zagatova came in with an advantage and 
that's what gave her the win. Now, there's going to be a lot of discussion. I think there was already a lot of discussion. Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir disagreed with each other about who should have won last night's head-to-head battle. Who had the better skate last night and who had the better two performances overall. Uh, I have to agree that Medvedeva had a better performance and, and the scores reflect it. But the judging system benefits people who do jumps and who do bigger jumps and more jumps and who backload those jumps later in their program. So I looked at the individual scores. I mean, I got really nerdy into this and that's, that's what I'm here for. So you don't have to do it. I got really nerdy and looked at the fine details. And here's what I found out. If you'd like to know, had Yevgenia Medvedeva, who got the silver medal, had she put all of her jumps in the second half of the program, like Alina did, that she would have gotten the gold medal. If she'd done the exact same jumps, she'd executed them exactly the same way. If everything else had been the exact same and she had just taken those two jumps in the first half of the program and slid them in the back half of the program, that 10% bump you get by moving the jumps is the difference in the overall result getting the gold medal. So, you know, kudos to Alina for hacking the system and figuring out how to squeeze every last point out. And the other big what if question was Alina squeezing every last point out in the competition, in the performance last night, because she did make a mistake. Her opening jump was supposed to be a triple Lutz, triple loop combination. She does the triple Lutz, lands it perfectly, and then hesitates and doesn't do the triple loop. And Johnny and Terry and and Tara were all talking to each other saying, oh, that's a big problem, and she's going to have to correct for it. It doesn't look bad, but score-wise, it's going to be bad because by not doing it in combination, she left six points on the table. But what Tara wisely pointed out, and this is what I love them as commentators, she wisely pointed out that later in the show, she had a planned triple Lutz that she could add that triple loop back onto. So she would end up having the same two jumps just in swapped order. And that's exactly what Alina did. She made an on-the-fly decision late in her program to add the triple loop at the end of her triple Lutz in the second half of the program and landed it very cleanly. In fact, that was the highest scoring grade of execution jump of all of her jumps throughout her entire program was the one that she was kind of improvising. And that six points that she earned by adding back in the combination, again, was the difference because she only won by a point and a half. So people can disagree about the results. Obviously, there was a lot of discussion about uh, Unikim and the, the Russian girl who won four years ago, who isn't even around anymore, whose name I don't even remember, about which of them was better. I thought Yuna Kim was better, but she got a better technical score, right? Either gonna people are going to debate this one forever, but uh, the, the numbers don't lie. And Zagatova had a great performance. It was a gold medal winning performance. I thought Medvedeva also had a gold medal worthy performance. Okay, there were other skaters in this, I do promise, Um, and I watched most of them. The bronze medal went to Caitlin Osman from Canada, who went out there and earned it. She had one mistake early on, but the rest of everything else was strong enough, and her artistry and skating skills were strong enough that it propelled her up into that bronze medal. Now, I felt a little bad for the Japanese skater, Satoko Miyahara, whose free skate was phenomenal. 
I mean, until the Russians came out, she basically was by far the class of the field. She had had the best performance, was incredibly clean, no visible mistakes. Uh, but I think the combination of her artistry scores and also the execution grading of her jumps really hindered her in a way that when you look at the total score, it wasn't even close for her to get the bronze. I thought it was going to be a razor thin margin for Caitlin to beat her out. But Satoko was very clearly in fourth place. And I think a lot of it had to do with the jumps were clean, but maybe they were not as pristine or as high of quality as the judges expect. Um, so for example, she might do the triple flip and land correctly on the correct edge with the correct extension, but she doesn't have the same height in her jump, or she doesn't rotate in the proper way that looks right for a top level of execution. I think a lot of her jumps were, were very low. They were, they were completed and fully rotated, but they were very low. So that's kind of how figure skating works, right? Is you got these technical things, you got to figure out your program components. You might have to improvise on the fly. And then you're expected to put together a full performance. In fifth place was Carolina Costner, who did put together a full performance, but had some issues. Uh, in sixth, we had uh, Cairo Sakamoto from Japan, who had come into the night in fifth place. Uh, she dropped a spot because Carolina had good, a good performance. In seventh was the Korean skater Choi Da-bin. She had a great performance in front of her home crowd. Again, it was very clean, made no visible mistakes that I could tell, but her level of sophistication, level of artistry, and difficulty were just not anywhere near the top ranks of skaters in this competition. And then the Americans who came in one behind the other, they were 9th, 10th, and 11th in the short program, finish overall in 9th, 10th, and 11th. Uh, they swapped up a little bit. Brady Tunnell ends up being the highest placing American, followed by Mariah Nagasu and Karen Chen. Um, all three of them had jump problems. All three of them had jump problems. And in particular, Mariah Nagasu, who was supposed to start out with a triple axle, didn't even do a single axle. She went for the jump, and it just looked like she did the lead in and then her body just wouldn't jump. It just everything within her said, no, 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 no. So she basically just did a half little waltz jump and uh, that was it. And you don't get to try again. It's the Olympics. You only get one shot, which is kind of a bummer. Overall, I thought it was a great, great, great competition. I wish some Americans were in contention. But, uh, you know, we got great skating. We got clean performances at the end, right? The top skaters, the, the medal earners were all ones who had the history, but also put together the program and delivered on the night that it mattered. And that's all you can ask for in a competition. I think that covers everything from yesterday. Let's talk about the upcoming events for today. And the headliner has got to be the gold medal curling game between the United States and Sweden. That's on tonight at 10.30 p.m. Pacific time, 1.30 a.m. Eastern time. So sorry for all of you on the East Coast. It's going to be a little difficult to watch, but uh, that should be awesome. USA going to go for the gold. Uh, you've also got the bronze medal match in the women's tournament between Great Britain and Japan. That's even later at night. In ice hockey, you've got the bronze medal game between Canada and Czech Republic. That's also in the middle of the night. In snowboarding, you've got the parallel giant slalom. I absolutely hate it, but you might enjoy it. In speed skating, we've got a new event, the Mass Start. Uh, this is, I think, their attempt to make speed skating more TV friendly. And basically, you have a ladies version and a men's version. And they're about... Eh, 
got 20 people out on the ice and it is a race to the end, but there are these sprint laps in the middle where people get points, but the points don't really matter. I just kind of barely understand it, but hopefully the commentators explain it. What I do know is that the American Joey Mantia actually has a gold medal possibility in this. He is the, I think, reigning world champion in the mass start. So fingers crossed for an American medal in the mass start. Again, all the skaters start on the track at the same time. They have to wear helmets and everything. Yikes. It could be a hot mess, and I am here for it. What else we got? We've got the start of the bobsled, the four-man competition. Heats one and two are tonight. They're going to give out the medals after heats three and four tomorrow. The Germans and the Canadians are favored, and the Americans are not at all medal contenders. Uh, In cross-country skiing, we've got the men's 50-kilometer mass start classic. That's basically the marathon of cross-country skiing. It's a very long distance. It's in the classical style. Who could win? Who knows? But it's probably going to be a Norwegian. In alpine skiing, we've got a new event, and it's the team event. This is basically a bracket knockout format where each country puts up four skiers, two men and two women, and in the other country that they're competing head-to-head against, uh, those skiers go down two side-by-side slalom runs and race to the bottom. And whichever country wins more of the races moves on to the next round of the bracket. Since there's only four skiers, there's often going to be a two-to-two tie, which they decide then by time of the fastest man and woman combined from your team. The big, big, big story here is they're trying this new event and none of the top skiers are going to participate in it. Uh, A lot of this has to do with there's an upcoming World Cup event in a couple of weeks in Europe, and a lot of the skiers have already left. Uh, Marcel Herscher, who was a top slalomer and multi-gold medalist, has already left. Axel Lundsvindal from Norway and a couple of the other Norwegian downhillers have left. Ted Ligeti, Michaela Schifrin, Lindsey Vaughn, all from the United States, have said they're not going to participate. Uh, Lindsey saying because, you know, none of the top people are doing it, so she doesn't think there's a chance the U.S. is going to get a medal, which does not bode confidence for me. But it's a um, bracket knockout thing with head-to-head slalomy stuff. So who knows? It might be good. Uh, that airs on TV starting at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. I think it'll make for better TV than maybe some other things. But uh, they got to figure out how to get the top people to do it. And then in snowboarding, uh, we've also got the men's big air competition where we do have some American hopefuls. That would be the first uh, gold medal given out or the first medals given out in that new addition to the Olympics, the men's big air competition. I think that covers all the events that are coming up today. The schedule is really starting to thin out because we're getting down to the last couple of days. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, let me know. I am reachable on Twitter. I'm at Troy Steinmetz, at T-R-O-Y-S-T-E-I-N-M-E-T-Z. You can also email me, TroyDoesTheGames at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'm considering doing a couple of things as a wrap-up to the Olympics once it's all said and done. So just because the Olympics are ending doesn't mean that this is exactly the end of the podcast. But if you have specific things you'd love for me to wrap up or ideas for episodes, you'd like to hear in the future once the olympics are done uh let me know as always thank you so much for listening and i'll talk to you tomorrow